Welcome to our second season of Shooting the Breeze. This time, we're casting our net wider. We're going to be talking to inspiring athletes, amazing coaches, and behind-the-scenes trailblazers from across the women's basketball landscape. As we start the run-up to another WNBL season and the FIBA Women's World Cup being held right here in Sydney, this is a great time to be a fan of Australian women's basketball. Don't forget to subscribe and be the first to know when we have more Hoops goodness headed your way. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. Today we're going to be having a look at the Asia Cup. We'll be talking about the Opals, the pool that they're in, and what we think about how things are going to go for the team. Joining me as always, my co-host Jacinta Kavind. Jacinta, how are you doing? Pretty well, thanks Paul. Pretty well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's just a couple of days till Asia Cup. There's going to be some interesting matchups and it'll be interesting to see how this very, very different squad to Tokyo Olympics is going to go. Yeah, I agree. Um, We knew that the Asia Cup was coming. We knew it was in Jordan. And, you know, we've had the list of the the squad and now the, the Opals roster who will be competing for a little while. But I still feel like the tournament has crept up on us. Yeah, I... Looking at that roster, it's obviously, it's totally different to Tokyo Olympics, giving uh, a lot of players an opportunity to pull on the green and gold for the first time. And also we've run into some issues with the WNBA postseason, which puts a question mark over uh, Sammy Whitcomb and Beck Allen. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I'm pretty confident they committed to the Asia Cup you know, thinking that New York Liberty weren't going to make the playoffs, but here we are. Do you think Beck Allen and Sammy Whitcomb are still jumping on a plane to get to Jordan, Paul? Look, I mean, in terms of actually being able to get there and, you know, hit the court, it can be done. I mean, it's it's not a, not a really long flight out of New York. I think the, the more practical question is going to be, how are they going to be able to pull up from finishing their game with the Liberty, getting on a plane, flying to Jordan, getting out of the plane, getting themselves settled in, joining the squad, and then getting ready to play? Uh, you know, it's it can be done, but it's a really tough ask. Yeah, it will be a true test of their professionalism and their experience, I think, being thrown from one professional league to, you know, a, a world-class tournament that is legitimately a World Cup qualifier. Now, we're lucky that we're hosting the World Cup in September next year so that Australia will automatically qualify. But under regular circumstances, I don't think that schedule would really be desired. But I suppose, you know, being automatic qualifiers, we can um, we can afford to take those chances for a change. Yeah. For me, the big thing with the team is not so much the change in the roster and the change in the coaching staff. I think the big thing is how much time has the team had together to be able to get used to each other, get used to each other's style of play and be able to, you know, basically get on a plane, fly to Jordan, hit the floor. Uh, Our first game is against Chinese Taipei, which is better than having to face up to China, who have brought pretty much an unchanged squad from the Olympics, and then be able to fire like a well-organised team. The lack of preparation could be a real issue for them, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, Based on what I saw on social media the last couple of days, it looks like squad members have only left for Jordan. And I'm guessing, you know, given that the tournament starts on Sunday, you know, we can safely assume that there's not going to be a quarantine period. But then 
also with just days away from the tournament starting, like you said, that's very little preparation time and training time for the team to be able to gel. And that was one of the big issues that we found um, with the Opals getting ready for Tokyo. So I remember in our past podcast episodes when we'd give a bit of a preview or a recap of the Opals games at the Olympics, it all came down to preparations. Um, But I guess on the plus side, you know, they've got Paul Gorris who's going as the head coach and he's been a part of the Opals coaching staff for uh, especially under Sandy for the the last couple of years. So I'm confident he's going to be able to implement the same philosophies that Sandy would be implementing if she were there herself. And I think the other plus side is you've got people like Lauren Nicholson and Darcy Garvin um, and Satina who were already in the extended Opal squad. So they'll be able to take a little bit more of a leadership role with this younger squad and be able to perhaps, you know, execute what was is expected of them when they were in that larger Opals Olympic squad and um, probably be able to be role models for some of the younger players who will be participating. That's true. And it's a good thing for the younger players to be able to see that, you know, it is a younger squad, there's younger players going into the Opals. So, again, it comes back to that. You can see it, you can be it. But interestingly, you mentioned social media and we were talking before we started recording that you saw a little bit of a a clue as to somebody who might be going on social. Yeah. So, you know, as we said before, big question mark about whether Beck Allen and Sammy Whitcomb are are going to be playing. But, yeah, I saw on Loz Nicholson's Instagram story, um, you know, a bit of a cheeky photo saying, guess who I get to sit next to on the plane? It was none other than Jade Melbourne. That's a big piece of news. And I think, you know, even if Sammy and Beck make it, you know, having Jade Melbourne there gives a little bit of extra depth, even if she doesn't take the floor, just that experience of being around the Opals, being involved in the Opal training and the prep for the tournament, you got to say that's got to be good for her career. Oh, it would, it's huge. It's in the same vein as Brian Gorgian taking Josh Giddy to his final cut with the Boomers squad. It was purely just for the exposure and for the experience because people like Jade Melbourne um, and a lot of people in her age group I feel like a lot of the, the future of the Opals will be on their shoulders. So if we can expose them to the right culture and environment and expectations early, then that's going to set a, a pretty high standard with that age group early. And the other thing is, you know, Jade is only oh, 19, 20. As we know, there are a lot of other talented young players that could be included in the Opal squad, but I believe some of them chose not to participate because of the two-week quarantine returning home. Um, So it is full credit to people like Jade and also Jazz Shelley, who is also, um, she's she's about to start her college season with a brand new college. She's moved from Oregon, I think, to Nebraska. Um, And she'll be participating for the Opals in Jordan and potentially another two-week quarantine. But I think it's full credit to those younger players who are willing to sacrifice a two-week quarantine, um, sacrifice time with their WNBL teams or their college teams to go and represent Australia. I'm kind of really interested to see how this is going to pan out. I'm not happy about the scheduling of our first game against Chinese Taipei. It's like, it's 2 a.m. You can watch it on Fox Sports. The Australian games are going to be carried on Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. The rest of the games will be carried on live basketball TV. So 
everybody who's a Foxtel subscriber and you don't want to do those two, our first two games are at 2 a.m. our time. At least you can record it and catch up with it in the morning over your breakfast. Yeah, I'm very grateful to be able to be um, bumming off my mum's Foxtel subscription and using her Foxtel Go app. So hopefully I can take it like that somehow. Yeah, uh, look, our first game is, as I said, it's against Chinese Taipei. And our second game is against the Philippines. It'll be a good way for the team to get into, get themselves gelling because you don't want to have that first game and trying to gel with such little preparation against China. No, especially when China, like you said, have brought 10 out of the 12 members of their very successful Tokyo 2020 team. They're probably just, you know, still riding the same magic carpet as they were after the Olympics. And that obviously they're coming to the Asia Cup to make sure they cement their place at the World Cup next year. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I definitely wouldn't want to be playing that Chinese team first because they're, they're really, really tough. Yeah. And the other threats who are not in our group, and the biggest one will be Japan in Group A, and possibly, as again, as we were talking before we started the recording the show, Korea. Korea could be a dark horse. Yeah, definitely. I think that they played really well at Tokyo. Uh, I really, yeah, I feel like they could be a dark horse. I know that New Zealand, are, New Zealand um, also, based on socials, have actually been in Jordan preparing for the Asia Cup a lot longer than our Opals team have. But again, we can take in consideration that we automatically qualify. And the New Zealand team are also looking pretty good. So I'm going to go on a limb and say that my game of the whole tournament will be that Korea and New Zealand game. Yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one. You know they're not going to be necessarily at the real pointy end of the tournament, but there's going to be some really interesting play which could give some Give some interesting insights into how we're going to start seeing the games line up in the World Cup if these teams qualify. you, you got to say that out of the teams, you're looking at the top four teams being Japan, Korea, China and Australia out of this. Mm-hmm. New Zealand, Chinese, Taipei are going to be interesting to see uh, how they perform. India, I mean, India's in. They're rated 70th in the, the FIBA rankings. To be honest, I've never seen them play but interestingly enough I know from talking with when we were doing the Paralympics when we were talking with Jenna Misens uh, one of the things she mentioned is that there seems to be a lot more exchange of ideas happening an exchange of, of, of teams happening for, for tournaments between Australia and India so potentially they're starting to try and Im- improve their standings. Yeah that's excellent um, hopefully they're investing some more into their basketball program um, and I'm really impressed that India have also, you know, invested in a women's basketball program because I think in the last, say, five, ten years, some more um, male Indian basketball players have been uh, probably popping up on an international stage with the likes of the NBA Global Academy. Um, so it would be very yeah. easy uh, while things are falling in your favour in that sense just to invest in a men's team. So I'm really impressed that India have also invested in a women's team. And it just sounds like they're really young. There might be, you know, relatively new kids on the block to the basketball world stage. So, yeah, I think like you said, give them a bit of time. And if their exchange between Australia and and India continues, I mean, who knows what ranking they'll be in another three, five years' time. 
Yeah, the one advantage India has is because of the size of population, you've got a, a larger potential pool of players. So your chances of being able to put together a really high-performing team mm. increases just on the basis of we've got a bigger pool of talent to identify. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm just kind of, you know, making some estimated guesses, but, you know, if um, India continue to invest in that women's program and there's going to be potentially different coaching opportunities or job opportunities where emerging young coaches can perhaps go and uh, invest in such a growing program, I think that would be really exciting. Yeah, and the other thing that I noticed about this World Cup is Japan, who did so well at the Olympics, have lost their head coach. Yeah. Um, His assistant coach has stepped up into the role, but I'm just wondering if that's going to put them off their game just a little bit. Yeah, that that sounds like it would be really unsettling because I think that the women's head coach has gone now to coach the men's team. Yeah, and considering their huge success on home soil at the Olympics, um, still riding the magic carpet similar to China with a similar-looking squad, it would be really, really unsettling and almost just like distressing for some of the players to then be without the coach that took them there. Yeah, I suppose one thing is it's a bit different for the Opals. First of all, it's such a new squad. Playing with Gori as head coach is nothing really significantly different for them. Yeah, and he's a, he's a championship coach too. Like how many of the last five, six WNBL finals has the Canberra Caps either been in the top four or in the grand final? So, yeah, he's made for this. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting. There's only a couple more days before it all starts, albeit at that horrid hour of 2 a.m. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. I think we'll be able to see some interesting performances. The other thing I think it's going to show us is it'll give us an idea of players to keep an eye out for during the, the upcoming WNBL season as well. Yeah, you know what? Good point. Because from that Opals roster who is going to Asia Cup, you know, a couple of younger players who to me have already been outstanding in their young careers and they're only just getting started. So people like Keely Froling, um, Zatina, obviously Loz Nicholson. Loz Nicholson in my eyes is almost like a little bit of a veteran because I feel like she's been playing WNBL for a little while now um, and she's been playing consistently well since she's come back from college all those years ago. But what's interesting is that Christy Wallace and Tiana in this Opal squad and our understanding, you know, based on our previous free agency episodes as well, is that neither of those athletes are signed to a WNBL club. And I really hope that I'm wrong. Mm, that's true. It's, um, uh, to be honest, I haven't looked at the uh, any changes of free agency over the last week or so. So we'll have to check on that one. And I think what we'll also get to see is for some of the players that have either moved teams or some of the players that we haven't really seen a lot of minutes for in the in the WNBL, we're going to be able to get a better idea of how they're going to perform and also it'll give mm-hmm. us an idea of how their coaches may end up using them in the in the upcoming season. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm really interested as well in seeing how uh, someone like Alex Sharp, who's been on the rise in the last 12 to 24 months, how she's going to mm. perform in an Opal squad, because I believe this is her first time in an Opal squad. And now 
you know, she gets the opportunity to to play at a, a world-class event. Yeah, so I'm pretty interested to see how, how she'll go. I'm also interested to see how Jazz Shelley will adjust to the squad because I don't think she's been quite in the fold of the Opal squad, perhaps the extended Opal squad in the past, but I'm not sure um, how much she was able to participate with her college commitments. But coming from a good three years of college uh, back into the mix of the Australian Opal style of basketball would be interesting to see how well she adjusts because, you know, college and an Opal style of play are completely different. I suppose if you look at this team from the point of view of trying to identify the new members that are going to come in and build off the existing core mm. going through into the towards the World Cup, there's some really exciting talent here. And I think, you know, what we'll see in the Asia Cup coming through and how we can forecast they'll fit in with the Opals is going to be really exciting to watch. Mm, Yeah, I totally agree. So I really hope that I'm able to record the games because as much as I love watching the Opals, I can't get up at (laughs) (laughs) 2am. Oh, it's easy. Just stay up. You know what? I could probably do that and then destroy myself probably for the next day. But (laughs) who needs to go to work anyway? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You got the choice. Stay up and watch basketball at 2am or go to work. Where's the choice in that? Exactly. When you put it that way, it's a very easy choice to make. Okay. So thanks for your time, Jacinta. Great to talk to you again about basketball, the World Cup and the Opals. I'll be looking forward to catch up with you and talk to you about how the team's progressing through the tournament. Yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks as always, Paul. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.